ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Hey, how are you? Good. Welcome to ATV Talk. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that you uh, took some time out of your busy schedule for us. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, right now it's kind of a busy season, but uh, yeah. Great. Racing season starts in a couple weeks. <laughs> I know it. It just ended about two weeks ago. It's nuts. Well, at least you uh, are still going to kind of be in shape when the first round rolls around. I know it. I know it. Hopefully, uh, I mean, thankfully, uh, we got a solid um, training program behind us with uh, our buddy uh, Christian Chambers at MXN Nutrition. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll all be good. So uh, how did you get into ATVs? <laughs> oh, man. So I started... Um, my dad has been riding motorcycles, started off with ATC 70 when he was a kid. Um, and it, it went from there. Um, my grandpa actually bought, um, a 1985 ATC 70, um, bought two of them actually. And I still have them. We still have them to this day. It's my first bike. Um, and then obviously he started going down to Baja wrenching on bikes and then, um, we kind of started building interest cause it was cool. I mean, that was all we did them going bike testing and stuff and, uh, built interest. And then he kind of saw that in us and we started riding and then end up racing. Not a fun, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of dune time too. Our whole childhood is in the dunes. So what dunes did you guys go to? <laughs> um, so Oregon dunes, obviously, um, Florence was kind of the family hotspot for generations. And then now that we're older, um, Coos Bay on the occasion that, uh, we have time to go and hang out and screw off. Well, you guys are pretty busy with the tire block stuff, aren't you? Yeah, super busy. Um, right now, uh, it hit us pretty hard too. Um, like, First of this Corona deal, it was, um, it slowed down quite a bit and then now it, it's picking back up and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty good working right now. So, so, uh, where are you spending most of your time getting balls ready for, uh, just everything or works Baja? I mean, cause Baja's not going to happen till March or so. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't paid too much attention to the Baja schedule, but, um, a lot of, um, back East riders right now that, uh, we've been sending stuff over there too. Um, but more and more recreational stuff, which is good to see. Recreational stuff. Really? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the trail riders, um, like Moab guys, uh, don't want to go out there on the rocks and get stuck. Um, yeah, surprisingly, it's it's kind of in demand. Do you uh is it more UTV stuff or is it ATV stuff too? Yeah, um this generation now is is um pretty heavy in in UTV stuff, but um we're definitely seeing a climb in, in ATV sales, especially at the races. 
Um, I think people were racing UTVs and then figuring out that they couldn't afford it <laughs> because it costs a lot of money. So, well, ATV racing is not cheap either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. So, Hey, tell me about that thing hanging on the wall behind you. <laughs> that big old elk right there. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's a piece right there. Is that yours or was that your dad's? No, it's, it's actually one of our buddies. I wish we could call it ours, but, uh, no, it's our buddies. Um, he ended up moving and then, um, we stuck it here for a little while. Well, that's how we get settled in. That's pretty cool. You guys do it yeah. there? Yeah, we do. Um, I'm just now starting to get into it. Um, out by our cabin, um, bottom of, uh, Mount Rainier, I believe. Um, we do some hunting out there. My dad used to go out to like Wyoming and Montana there for a while, but, um, they stopped a couple years ago. You think you and your brother racing had anything to do with that? <laughs> uh, the, the part of, um, like relieving stress, I think for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how did the year go for you for the most part? Year went, went excellent. Um, started off at prim. Um, I, me and my buddy Tavian from up here, um, he ended up beating me in production a and then pro-am I won and then just kind of set the pace, um, for the year, um, if you will. But, um, it's, it was a great year. I really wanted to have a perfect season and pro-am, but, um, the last two races kind of bit me. Um, but it's, it's been great getting the pro-am championship and production a, um, is kind of like a dream come true. You know, um, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, as in like something you always look up to, um, you always see people winning championships and it's, it's rad to, to be one of those guys, especially in, uh, in the pro-am rank. Well, you started in, you started in the B class, I'm assuming. Yeah. Started in the B class. Um, four years ago. Um, I got two races in, in the B class. Um, and then I have a suit. They booted me cause, uh, I won by like nine and a half minutes. <laughs> so from there on out, I've been racing pro-am. I think this is my third or fourth year in pro-am. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. And then you win the title. You were fairly close last year, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, pretty close. Um, me and Ricardo kind of went back and forth. He definitely had the upper hand on me. Um, but I had a couple of good races, I think three. Um, and he had some, um, bike problems there like mid season. So I was the points leader for a little while. Um, but there, there towards the end, he, he got it back for sure. So what happened to you at the last two rounds this year? So, um, prim, I, I ended up messing with my idol on the start line and I, I unscrewed the, um, the idle screw all the way out of the, like the stop and the tensioner inside the carburetor. And it ended up coming out and, um, 
falling like where the accelerator pump cam is on the on the slide shaft um and that that ended up making a mess and i only had like quarter throttle the whole race because uh, it was sticking on me at wide open and half throttle and then um havasu havasu just kicked my butt straight up and down um <laughs> i was not the guy to win that race and uh it was definitely said so um yeah what happened in Havasu? I mean, you just overwhelmed from the emotion of the, of the possibility of the championship or had you already clinched? Yeah. So, um, no Havasu Havasu just, just was so tiring and, and wore me out so quick. Um, I, I was in the lead the first two laps and then I ended up wrecking, um, set my front end down in, in a big, whoop with a square edge in the bottom and just went right over the bars. Um, but no. So, um, Cody was in second in the points for pro-am and he didn't end up going to prim because of, uh, he had an appendicitis. Um, so with him not being at prim, I really didn't even need to race, um, prim to walk up the championship. And he still got second. I believe so. I I think I I don't know. You guys didn't go to the banquet. Yeah, we we did, but um, did he get the second place trophy or not? I don't know. I, I shoot. I think it's Kobe sitting around here somewhere. But man, I I don't know. I believe he did because your dad freaking held up um the two number ones and. And I believe it was two number twos. Yeah, I, it was a two and a three for him or something. I can't, I can't remember which, uh, which class it was though. Right. Something like that. I seen the photo. Yeah. I, he's your brother, man. You're supposed to know these. Things. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I completely fail on the brother, brother of the year. So he's going to be the, so it looks like he's going to be the dominant guy next year in the, in the pro-am. Yeah, he uh yeah, he didn't move up cuz he said he wanted to win some. So, um I I mean I I hope he he puts in the work to be able to do it. Those kids are are fast, that's for sure. Yeah, Ortiz came back and raced a couple. Yeah, that was epic. Um racing him in the 250s, man, like my first year on a Raptor 250. I was racing him and um of course I was out there on a bone stock bike, but, uh, he just waxed everyone and it was so cool to ride with him and him being off the bike for so long. Um, it was epic. That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you think the pro class is going to be like? I hope it's going to be good. There was towards the end of the year, there was, I think like 11 or 12 people in the pro class. So, um, there's definitely, definitely a lot of people and, um, I hope it's going to be good. I hope, I hope I can hang on. <laughs> well, your, your whole mental program has to change a little because you're for not, sure. you're not racing for a trophy now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's guys in the front there that are racing for that check because that's what keeps them coming to the races, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, that's, that's definitely going to be, hard to compete with someone that's that's 
out there racing for their livelihood instead of um, me, just some kid that's going to have fun and, and uh, try and win. But that's definitely a big mental stone to get over. How's, how's your dad feel about you going to the pro class? Oh, he was kind of skeptical. He was, um, cause we were talking about it for this year and, um, it was like, ah, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I'm really ready. The same time, I'm not learning a whole lot in the pro-am. Um, but he was, he was kind of skeptical. Like, I don't know if you should. And then I said, I just do it and get it over with. How old are you now? Uh, 18. I turned 19 in uh, February. Really? You're that young. Yeah. Did you graduate high school already? Yeah. I graduated, um, last year. Really? Yeah. So, so you're, uh, you have nothing holding you back, but a job and, and money. Yeah, pretty much. The, uh, the money's the big part, <laughs> especially in this sport, but. Well, you know, it's just a small hurdle, you know, the, the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing rests on the money. <laughs> For sure. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till you uh, come back and tell me what it's like that first time you roll through the first turn. Oh, I know it. It's going to be, it's going to be something to remember. That's for sure. And um, I can't wait to do it. It's going to be so cool just to go line up with those guys. And um, just to have that blue and yellow number plate on my bike is, is going to be epic. And I can't wait to do it. What, uh, what number are you going to run? I think I'm, I think I'm going to stick with the three, six, two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about um, switching it to um, three, six, one, which is my dad's race number, just because it has a little more, um, meaning but um other than that i i think i'm gonna do 362 you just stick with what what you're known for right i think so yeah i don't want to change too much <laughs> are you gonna race the north series up there yeah the quad cross northwest um that's the plan it's such a fun series to go do and just to mix it up instead of riding xc or works um it's a blast and it's, it's kind of a break from the work. So we go to a works race and we're working the whole time. um doing blocks and um, it'll, uh, it's definitely fun. And, and yeah, I'll be doing that. Do you, uh, you raced against uh, Bo and a few of the pros last year, didn't you? Yeah. I've been racing the pro class there for, I think two years. Um, yeah, Bo came up there, um, Logan Huff. We had Corey Ellis and Doug Eichner come up to uh, one that was awesome. And then um, Austin Baxter came out. Um, I think that was it. Yeah. So how did that go? How did those races go for you when the other guys came out? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> they laid a whooping on me, but it it was a blast, especially when, um, Doug Eichner and Corey Ellis came out. Uh, it was at Washougal and Doug was actually talking about it on, on his interview with you. Um, the dirt was 
so tacky and it was like riding on like asphalt almost with a little bit of give. Um, and it was so cool, but just the ride with those guys was, was awesome. Just to have the nostalgia out there, if you will. Well, I mean, you get to spend time with, with guys of those caliber that have raced as many years as they have. And, you know, Corey Ellis is a, um, a champion in the GNC. Doug's a champion in the GNC. Uh, Doug mm -hmm. works titles. You know, Corey's won a Mickey's. Uh, I don't think he ever won the Mickey's title, but he won a couple of Mickey's races. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're talking about guys that have been around since the nineties, um, probably before you were born. <laughs> yeah. Before, before I was even a thought. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I keep, I keep forgetting sometimes how long I've been around. <laughs> no, no. How old are you? You gotta be 25 now, huh? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah. 25, 25 and gray haired. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm 25 plus. <laughs> plus. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get the double plus there, you know? <laughs> I remember, I remember Corey Ellis winning his first Mickey's race on a Suzuki in San Diego. Oh man. Like an LTA 500 or LT 250 LT 250. Holy smokes. What a death trap. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I can't, if I can't, I can't remember who was behind me. It was either Shepard. It was either Shepard or Eichner. Oh, it might've been Doug. It might've been Doug behind him. Uh, you know, because they come from the North. You know, mm -hmm. both of them. and uh, it was quite the little rivalry thing, but it wasn't it wasn't really a rivalry, but it was, you know, and they were good to have a, have each other compete hard together. For sure. And and holy smokes, when Corey Ellis came up to that that quad cross race, he laid it down. Um, I think I think Bo didn't come to that, but it was Austin Baxter. And I think his lap time was like a second or two faster than anyone's but he held that lap for maybe two laps. And then we all kind of caught back up to him, but just watching the guy go around the corner on one tire in the back, the whole thing is, is just a sight to see. Like he just manhandles the bike so well and so smooth. It's, it's like, unlike no other. He's a big, strong kid. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, and, and that was one of his advantages. He was just a big, strong kid and he could ride. He had, he had skills, you know, I, I don't think that his endurance was ever his, his best point, but <laughs> you know, we all can get it. We can all get accused of that now and again. For sure. Yeah. 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 Doug and I were talking about Washougal this weekend. We were out at the sand dunes together in Glamis and he, and he was talking about, how awesome it was to ride there with it, with the dirt being perfect. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of funny that you're telling me the same story, you know, <laughs> it was, it was definitely a day to remember. And it like the morning you got a trail and it was just raining and you're like, this is going to suck. And come about noon, it was, it was perfect. It you couldn't ask for better conditions. You know, we were up there one year and it poured and poured and poured. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of the race, it was pouring. And, mm -hmm. you know, at the halfway point or three quarter point, it stopped raining. 
And the track actually got pretty good, even though it was just a slime fest, you know, for the first 30, 40 minutes of the race, it it was pretty rough, but uh, you know, Doug, Doug always has a plan and he kind of likes to ride up there in the North and Washougal's is Washougal. When the works first started, you know, the first year we went in 2001, no, 2002. Um, when we go to the first one, Washougal was the, was the race we were going for. And that's all he could talk about all years. Oh, we're going to Washougal. Oh, we're going to Washougal. And, um, and he, uh, he loved it. And <laughs> I, I really enjoyed riding Washougal, but at, you know, I've ridden a lot of places and I was like, okay, it's just another mud track, dude. <laughs> <I'm> old- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't like, I didn't like, uh, I don't like riding in the mud, but you know, I like the desert tracks way better. Yeah. The mud, the mud kind of sucks. Then you get a bunch packed on your bike and it gets all heavy and yeah, it's, it's not the funnest. So if you have to look into the future, what do you, uh, where do you see yourself? You know, you think you're going to, you're going to try to bring this out to the long term, like Bo and, and be 40 and still racing. Boy, I hope so. Um, it's, it, I keep thinking about that and it's going to be difficult to put all those cards together. I'll definitely be riding for a long time. Um, but he has done just a, such a great job of, of playing all of his cards right and, and putting everything in the right spot. Um, man, I hope so, but time can, time will definitely tell. Well, if you stay in shape and, you know, learn your craft, uh, there's no reason that you can't be, you know, for sure. Uh, for sure. I, I believe that the older you get in the ATV racing and the longer you stay, the faster you'll get, the better you'll get at it. Yeah. And I, I 100% believe that too. And it shows you look at Bo right now and he's probably just as fast as he was five, 10 years ago, but, um, it don't look like it when you watch him ride, it looks like he's real slow out there, but he's not, he is putting it down. Like it's just his riding style. And I, I strive to be as smooth and as conservative as I can um, and try and follow in some good footsteps, but um, it's hard to do. <laughs> He's got a lot of experience under his belt. Yeah, he does. And I think that uh, the, you know, you, to go fast, you must first, you know, be smooth and be calm and relaxed, pick your lines. And he does look slow, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you look at Mike, you look at Mike go through the turns and Mike looks like he's hauling ass and he is, you can't mm-hmm. take away from him. He's freaking flying. But when you look at him side by side, Bo's just, yeah. And Mike's next to him and the dirt's flying and shit <laughs> everywhere, you know, and you're just like, Holy crap. You know, it's <laughs> crazy. For um, sure. Yeah. The, the body language definitely does a number on, on watching them side by side. Yeah. Cause Bo's just like uh, on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just riding in the center of his bike. It's, it's the craziest thing you'll see. I kind of wish I, he's probably, he probably wishes he had a little beer holder, you know, it was like <laughs> beer with him, you know, get a yeah, drink. He, riding. he needs the, the baseball cap with the two, 
with the two beers on the side of the helmet with the straw going to his mouth. Oh man, that'd be, that wouldn't that be a Christmas present? Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. He could come out with that, you know, I, yeah. I, don't know I don't know if Brandy would appreciate that. Oh yeah. I think she'll probably yell at me the next race for it. He'll come <laughs> out with a funny video of him in a side-by-side or something with it. I don't know. Who knows? Have you seen the videos of him riding that three-wheeler? Yeah, actually that's our three-wheeler. Really? Yeah. So, uh, that thing talk about death trap. I don't know how people ever went fast on those. I have, I have been over the bars a couple of times on that bike and, uh, it's not good. It's not good, but, um, <laughs> he's having a ball. I know it. I know it. And he right he rides that thing like he's meant to be on it. And it is so impressive. Like the videos he posts of him riding it, there is no way on earth you could get me to go that fast on a paved road on that thing. <laughs> well, we did a magazine article with Dirt Wheels about or about four weeks ago. And we took Josh Rowe to ride the bikes. He did a Banshee and a, and a Lobo 250R and we had a three-wheeler. Well, Josh had never ridden a 250R. <laughs> and so we go and we shoot the article and we do all this stuff and he, and on the Banshee and he rides the Lobo and they get him out on the three-wheeler. And when it was all over, he didn't want to ride anything else. He goes, dude, I, can I just go ride the three-wheeler? This was the funnest I've had, the funnest ride I've had in so long because he picked it up almost immediately. Yeah. I, I was impressed. Yeah, it's such a learning curve. I mean, I finally got it down after like a week of riding it, but um, it's so weird just having that front tire in the middle. You have to like have the rear tire like sideways about to come around you and just I mean, hang off the side of it and hope for the best really is, is what I found out worked, worked the, the best. But, um, yeah, I, I see Josh Rowe do all those, all those dirt wheels, um, or dirt bike rider magazines. And, um, it's so cool. I've ridden a handful of, um, epic bikes. Um, like, uh, one of our friends has a, um, Sundall Banshee. Um, I've ridden, um, you're talking about death traps. Come on now. Yeah. It's got to be insanely stupid. Oh my goodness. No. And a thing makes so much power. You give it gas and the thing lifts up. Uh, it's got to be four inches. Like it's you're, it, you're riding on a monster truck. Um, you go through the whoops sitting down and you can see the tires just like flex. And it's, it's a wild bike. It's so crazy. <laughs> Yeah. When I was racing in the best in the desert, there was a, a few guys that had them. I never raced against Sundall, but I rode against a little bit of his product. So uh, mm -hmm. it was always, always out there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and just to look at like just hanging out with Doug roll and my dad, um, they've taught me a lot about, um, detail, like attention to detail and, and, not looking at the product, um, and going, Oh, that's got a cool design, but looking at how it's built and all of the steps it takes to do that. And that Sundall chassis is, is crazy. And, um, and 
just just thinking about um that like Doug Rolls Lobo and the and the Lager, the Pro Tracks. We've got one of those with a a 250F motor in it that I've ridden, and it's it's such a wild bike and so far over the edge of of what our bikes are right now um it just how they turn how they move the the weight of them where you sit on them just ergonomics um it's so crazy and it's cool to get on a bike like that um and just feel it out you think the older stuff handles better than the new stuff Man, I don't know. So I've only ridden um, that Pro Tracks in the sand um, and the Sundal in the sand, but um, man, I really don't know. Comparatively, I've never ridden my bike in the dunes. But um, you've never ridden your 450R in the dunes? No, no, no. That's a race bike. No. You don't. You have a practice bike you can ride in the dunes? No, no practice bike. <laughs> So what do you do for practice? Nothing. I don't practice. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I'm trying to find uh, like an LTR or something right now just to practice on. But um, yeah, I don't do nothing. I got a CRF 110 I ride around, but that's it. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I got to figure something out, uh, especially if I'm going to start going faster. That's for sure. Yeah, you're gonna go into the pro class, dude. You better have a practice bike. Yeah, for sure. And that and that's uh, all of our thoughts here. So, um, yeah. Has your dad ever talked to you about going uh, going back east? Um, no, but I've definitely talked to him about it. <laughs> well, uh, what did he yeah. say? Oh, I don't want to drive that far. That's what he says. Um, yeah, it's all driving. Well, dad, I know how to drive. I, yeah, I know it. I know it. But, um, I, if, if the opportunity ever, ever, ever comes up, I definitely want to do a GNCC. Um, not that I'd go out there and, and put the hammer down, but it'd just be a fun experience to go over there and, and ride the trees like that. Um, having trees over here and, and, not really riding them, but like on pit bikes and stuff, riding them. Um, it's so fun watching all the trees go by and, and seeing all the different lines you can take and all the little shortcuts. It's, it's cool to, um, I don't know how to say that. Just, just use your brain, um, a lot more when you're riding and, and finding all the little nooks and crannies you can, you can go through. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you really think it, you, you're thinking more GNCC versus GNC. Yeah. Wow. Most yeah. everybody thinks GNC motocross. No, no GNCC. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I would have never, I would have never picked you as a, wanting to be a woods rider. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's so cool to ride through. Do you think that, uh, um, do you think that you're going to end up switching brands at some point? I don't know. Um, we've thought about it. Well, I've thought about it. I've talked to dad about it every once in a while. Um, at some point, if Honda doesn't come out with something, 
at some point we're going to have to do something. Um, because as of right now, you already can't buy a cylinder head for an 06 plus TRX 450. Um, uh, in OEM, OEM one, at least, um, at some point, I'm sure that we will. Um, but right now the amount of spare parts that we have, it would cost a fortune to sell all that and, and get all this new stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, possibly, I don't know when or where or how, but it may happen. <laughs> well, the, the 2021 Yamahas haven't hit from what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know up by us, um, you really can't, you go into a, a dealership and they don't have any motorcycles. There no motorcycles, side-by-side -side, street bikes. Um, I know as far as, uh, pit bikes and stuff, you can't get one. I know that same, same down here. It's slim pickings. Um, yep. I've seen, uh, I've seen like five or six new 450Rs come into the into the shop and have work done, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the people are telling me one guy brought one in from New Mexico because he couldn't find one local, um, and uh, one guy found one in LA. He went and picked it up on over the weekend and brought it to me this morning. So there, there's very few of them if any. And, and the one that they brought me today was a 19, a brand new 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they couldn't find a 20. <laughs> wow. I bet that was hard to find. Uh, yeah. He, he said he got lucky because he couldn't, uh, <laughs> what he did is he had a problem with his grandson's bike because he made a mistake and he needed something. He had to have something to take the kid to the desert, uh, over the Christmas holiday. And, he yeah. found that and went and bought it and brought it to me. He says, well, all those mods on the other one, put on this one because he's got to have the same bike. <laughs> That's the best one. When they, when they bring the bike and they go, here you go. And just sweet. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the last time that it really flowed with new bikes with mods where you just did a ton of mods on them where they were all new was probably up to 08. Yeah. And then after yeah. uh we didn't we didn't start getting new bikes and doing real trick builds until after 14. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a slim pickings around there for a while. You'd get an occasional new one in, but for the most part it was they it, it, it just it just didn't happen like it did in the old days where you know, they, they were lining the new bikes up out there and you know, we need a pipe and we need a filter kit and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they're just unloading them as fast as you can load them. Yeah. Yeah. All the go fast parts, man, that I, I wish I was a couple of generations before me just so I could experience that and go through that era of, of racing. But <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot different. And, and I think people back then were different than they are now. Um, there's, there was no social media for one. And, yeah. and I think, you know, I'm, we're on social media, we're doing this on social media. So it's, it's kind of a slap in the face almost, but social media has changed so much of a sponsorship and B 
how you interact with people. Um, there's just, there's just so many differences. Well, we're back after that short pause. That's okay. We have, we've had them before. It's no big deal. Um, but I don't exactly remember where we were talking about. I don't either. My brain went blank. Well, you know, when you're mid sentence and it goes, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, my bad. (laughs) I think we were talking about the differences from the old, well, we were talking about some social media stuff, but we were really got off track because I was talking about the differences between the old school bikes and the new school bikes. And I was trying to get your opinion and your breakdown on how that worked out for you. Yeah. So, so riding the bike, I don't have enough seat time on like a Wagger pro tracks or, um, really the Sundall to really compare, um, those bikes to my bikes. Um, I mean, the, the lagger turned way quicker and way sharper, um, than, than my bike does now with the 0405 geometry front suspension stuff. Um, and the Sundall kind of turned like a big monster truck. Um, but, but, um, how they're built, just looking at them is, is crazy. Um, that whole T pin front end is, is definitely a sight to see. And, um, just how it's built, um, all the bushings and bearings and all the grease fittings just to maintain them are, are a handful in itself. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm what I, I'm also wondering, do you think that they should allow non-production machines to come in and race? Yeah, that's, it's, it's a sensitive subject. Yes and no. Um, I really like the idea to be able to essentially take my bike and put a CRF 450 motor in it. Um, just because reliability, not exactly money, um, but just being able to, to take, to go, you could finance a brand new CRF 450 and, and take the motor out of it, bone stock, put it in my bike for a couple grand on top of the dirt bike and have a, a competitive four wheeler. Um, sounds like a great idea, but at the same time you get a bunch of guys out there and with big bore kits, then, um, not that they're going to be faster than, than our bikes now. Um, but it is, it is definitely an upper hand, but at the same time, so is having a, a steer at 450 motor in your four wheeler. So <laughs> kind of give some and take some. You think the CRFs out of the box are faster than what you have now? I don't know. I don't know dyno numbers on my bike and I don't know dyno numbers on a brand new CRF 450. Um, but just seeing like when Joel Hetrick had that, um, that hybrid when he went to the motocross nations, um, or quad cross nations. Um, he says it was, it was faster. Um, but at the same time, he's kind of like a factory Honda guy. So it's, it's going to be tuned up. 
Um, but I definitely believe in the, in the reliability factor. Um, well, as, as, as a motor guy, stock to stock, the motorcycles don't have to push as much, as much. Weight. That's yeah, that's for sure. So, yep. so you are going to run into some issues with the motorcycle motors in the, in the ATV chassis. And you always have to do more to an ATV motor to make it fast more so than you do the motorcycles. Yeah, I, I can definitely see, um, having transmission issues, um, going from, from one contact patch to, um, of, I don't know, three inches at best. And then having, um, two essentially 10 inch contact patches, uh, you're probably going to break some stuff that wasn't really tested from Honda. I think that the, I think the overall cost would go up. I would almost like to see a limited amount of mods allowed to your production models. Yep. Um, you know, limit compression, limit fuel and, and bring it back down, bring the cost down a little bit. So Mm -hmm. that your independent guys that are, that are trying to pinch out more horsepower, um, would, it would make their machines a little more reliable. For sure. And, uh, I think, shoot, I mean, if everyone was on a, on a fairly, uh, level playing field and weren't spending as much, I mean, you get, you get into some pretty high compression pistons and, and, uh, some tight tolerances and, and you're going through motors pretty quick. Um, but you're also, you're making tons of horsepower. Yeah. You're making a lot more power, you know, it drives the cost way up and it's just, if you're trying to save the sport, you have to do things to restrict the cost to, to save you from yourself. Yep. And I could be, I could be barking up the wrong tree. You know, I, I don't know. You, you can't take it out of the suspension because that's what's keeping you on your, on your wheels and not on your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we definitely need the suspension stuff. The motors we could live without. Um, but man, it makes it fun. <laughs> you get oh, a good fast bike. I think, but I think if you roll out there and you have 10 guys on pretty evenly matched, you know, depending on who the motor guy is or, or who the, the tuner is or who, whatever, you're going to be within one to two horsepower of each other, you know, and that's going to tighten up the field. And some of your guys that are getting beat because they, they can't manage the high dollars. Uh, you know, so their stuff isn't getting maintained as much or they can't run that expensive fuel or, you know, uh, you know, uh, I've always been against this, the special fuel, but it's, it just breeds unreliability and, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I could definitely see some, some fuel, um, some fuel regulations. Um, that would be pretty doable but um yeah i know like like when my dad was going um back east the stories that i heard um they could only run like c12 or something i can't remember what fuel it is but it's it wasn't much it's not like you're running mrx02 or or u44 or q16 or whatever um you're you're definitely saving a lot of money just in in fuel i think if they limit compression 
and, and, you know, like have a, a VP truck or a Sunoco truck or a renegade truck sitting there. And this is the fuel you're allowed to buy period. You know, yep. and there's a guy at the finish line taking, taking gas samples like urine samples. And, you know, if you're not going with the right fuel in your bike, Hey, you know, you're done. Exactly. Yeah. Some trucks, Cause you, you got zero points for the day, even though you rode. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, you, you, there are ways to figure it out. It just depends on if uh, Randy wants to put any money into it, you know, for a tech guy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, another uh, expense to a very large expense. That's for sure. But um, yeah, I, I do wish there were some um, noise noise, um, regulations just cause you get behind a bike and, uh, and, and it's like blowing your eardrums out. But, um, I guess that's why they make earplugs. <laughs> well, you know, to make horsepower, you gotta make noise. Oh yeah. For you, tried, sure. you tried restricting some of the stuff and it didn't, and it didn't work out, you know, yeah. uh, for whatever reason. But if you go back to the noise stuff, uh, you, you have to, you have to buy in wholeheartedly to how you test sound. You have a sound meter and it's got to be done a specific way. You can't do it on the asphalt. You can't do it in the wind, you know, so there's going to be, there's going to be days that you're testing and there's going to be days you're not like in the rainstorm. It is a waste of time. If it's super windy, like at Prim. Yeah. We're not testing. Have a suit. Okay. You know, maybe yeah. we with it. Um, yeah some of the other tracks probably too. It's it. So sound is definitely something that's going to change, uh, the way that works. Mm -hmm. But are you going to, are you going to get them quiet enough to change the horsepower? Yeah, that there, there's a lot to tell there that, and, um, just changing exhaust tips. You can change a lot of sound and just the exhaust tip, put a smaller one in there or, or put stuff through the middle of it. But, um, I mean, who's to say you, you go get your bike test and you, you throw a different exhaust. Um, people stay in the guidelines of that. Well, if you change, if you take the exhaust tip out and go get retested at the end of the race and they give you your one to two decibel variants after the race, uh, you're going to be over. Yeah. And you're not going to pass and you're yep. going to, you're going to get docked, whatever the docking is, you know, what five physicians, you know, is it a DNF? What, what do you do? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of variables in, in making these guidelines and it's not more than, or it's, it's not just testing. It's like testing for all, all of them, but, um, it, it's like, what's the punishment? There's a, there's a lot of variables there. The punishments are always the hardest thing to come up with because not everybody's going to think they're fair, but you know, you posted in the rules and this is the way it is. And you ding one of the big names right off and everyone else will fall in line regardless. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just because you have to make it fair. Okay. Here are the rules. 
you know, you got to land within between the parameters. If you can't land within between the parameters, it's your fault. Yep. Yeah. That and being strict, I think is, is another hard part because, um, <laughs> you, you do it to one guy and then, and then the guy behind him gets docked and, uh, and doesn't get as bad a punishment. Then you got another issue. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a big can of worms that you got to be careful what you're doing in. No, you just have to be, you know, you just have to be consistent and firm. Yep. Yep. For I, sure. I think that's one of the things that the work series for years has been missing is consistent firm guidelines of here are the rules and this is what we're going to do. And there's no gray area. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily Randy Perry has been, he's been keeping up with it. I mean, he's a busy guy, so um, he's not going to do everything in one swing, but, but man, what a difference it, it has been these last couple of years with, with him running the show. It's uh, it's been great. And um, we're seeing a lot more, more ATVs and, and, um, it could be just cause the market's changing and the wind's coming our way, but, uh, it also could be, um, his doing and, and, um, definitely trying harder with, for the ATV guys. He's, he's fighting for us and it's not, um, not against us. And, and I think that, you know, he's seen, cause I had a conversation with him. He's seen the ATVs carry the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. you know, and now the motorcycles need to carry the ATVs and you need to spread the wealth out because when the ATVs were carrying it, the motorcycle guys were still getting the money and the ATV guys weren't. Yeah. Yep. We had the big lines and then, and, and those guys are getting the money. Why wait, you know, you know, there's 26 pros on the line and you're paying 500 bucks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was another thing that, uh, I just saw. I, think recently purse yeah they raised the pro purse so um that's that's gonna be super cool and um yeah i'm i'm excited for that because i think the i think like when someone would win it was only like 700 bucks i think yeah that was horrible Uh, yeah yeah so it'll be 700 bucks for the whole weekend (laughs) yeah yeah you spent that much just in race fuel yes pretty much yeah (laughs) some guys did yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, Kenny, it's been a pleasure. I, I really want to say thank you very much for spending some time with ATV talk. And I hope that after you uh, make that first start, you'll uh, make sure to document what that's like for us and, and let us know. Heck yeah. I, uh, I definitely will. I'll definitely be sending some pictures your way and uh, tell you, thank you. <laughs> well, we really appreciate it. And, and I want you to make sure you say hi to your pops for me. I've missed you guys. I've missed you and your brother. Uh, I enjoy, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the racing and a, a fan of watching the young guys come up and, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter what flag you wear. It puts a smile on my face to see, you know, youth, uh, enjoying the sport that I love so much and that has given me so much. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's great. And there's a lot of youth riders, but, uh, yeah, hopefully we, we see you back out at the track here soon. We can say hi. We'll see what I can do. I'm working on something and we'll see what I can do. If nothing else, ATV talk will come out and uh, possibly in conjunction with works do uh, put on some, maybe some live shows um, to get the, the racers to come by and sit down and talk with us for a minute and tell us how their day's going. And uh, we'll, we'll work on, we're working on some things to grow the show. Um, 
it, it's a huge undertaking all on its own. It's like having a third job and, um, <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. No idea, brother. Yeah. I, I even get it, but, uh, you guys are doing a great job. It's, well, I appreciate that. And we'll get with you on when your episode's going to air and how that's all going to work. You probably will have raced your first and second pro rounds before this airs because starting January one, we will release, um, regular ATV talk episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. And every other week we will release an inspired episode. Um, so you'll be able to catch about nine episodes a month from us. Um, because we just have that much content and that many people um, that we want to get their stories out. And um, so this is, this will be old news by the time your episode comes out, but uh, it, it uh, it's happening. So if you watch Facebook and Instagram, there's going to be some new, new, new store coming uh, just, Lots of new things we're going to try to get on YouTube uh, with some differences. That's where some of your photos will come into play. Some maybe your uh, your, your video for asking people to watch, listen to your episode will come in because we'll attach that to the podcast and put that on YouTube and release the episodes there. Um, we're short on manpower, and I'd say manpower. What's running my podcast is the Lady Power. Uh, <laughs> my, yep. my daughter Valeria, my daughter Paula, they uh, they do the brunt. Uh, Anna helps from uh, the advertising agency that Paula owns in Guadalajara. Uh, her her one of her gals, Anna, is working on our advertising uh, links and boost for Facebook and Instagram. And uh, Valeria here at, at the at home sits and edits all of our episodes. So the little mishap that we had, she will doctor that in and, and you may or may not, she may plug a commercial right in there. Uh, I don't know. She, she's a wizard that she takes care of all the, the blunders that I create. Um, <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> I have that little girl working her ass off and yeah, she Thanks, yeah. on the, on here, but it, <laughs> She, she does an amazing job for me and she's, uh, she's working really hard at it. You know, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Won't even be there. No, but, 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 no, there'll be something there, but you'll, when you're listening to it, if you go back and listen, you go, I, you know, there it is being, you know, and there'll be some type of advertisement or some type of announcement will come in there and, and it's like, it's supposed to be there. And you know, uh, she tells me that I need to put breaks in the middle of everything and I don't, you know? no, no, <laughs> I forget. No, I mean, <laughs> dude, I build race bikes for a living. I don't freaking, yeah, <laughs> not a pro talker. No, I'm not a media guy. And <laughs> tell me this is media. Well, then maybe we should get a media guy. Yeah. Because I'm not yep. a media guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun talking with you. Congratulations on your two championships. Uh, I'm really proud of you. I've seen you come along. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm just going to tell you this little, little piece of advice. Don't look back because your brother's right there. 
<laughs> I know it. I know it. He's close. He's going to beat me one of these days. Brother. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's coming, you know, and, <laughs> I hope that you're as gracious as a big brother as, as my brother was to tell me, no, that's not going to happen. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what I say. It, well, we're still, we're, we still compete. We were out in the sand dunes in, in UTVs this weekend and, and we played cat and mouse a little bit. Um, <laughs> in my car, I think he'd ended up on his lid, but it wasn't my car. <laughs> so we couldn't have contact. Oh man. Uh, Robin's racing. Well, I was driving Randy at GPR's car and I had a little altercation with it going upside down anyways, but <laughs> I want I wanted to put it, I wanted to put the wheel right in his door when we yep. through the dunes, but, but I didn't. <laughs> I was a good boy. One of these days. Oh yeah. Make sure you say <laughs> hi to everybody up there. Um, stay in touch with us and, you know, keep us posted on how things are going for you and we'll get you back on the show for an update, you know, mid year or so uh, yeah. mid to end year. And, and, uh, and you can tell us how it's going and, uh, you stay, you stay safe, start training now because you'll be racing in two weeks. Yeah. It's coming up soon. So you better get ready, brother. Heck yeah. Will do. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Again. Yep. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. The team here at ATV talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATV San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.